So we are in the book of Revelation. If you haven't uh, turned there, I invite you to turn there in your Bible or scroll there in your device. Revelation chapter two, and uh, we're studying the letter to Thyatira. But I wanna ask you a question before we begin. As we begin, what does your love tolerate? What does your love tolerate? Everyone loves someone. A parent, a spouse, a child, a friend. Everybody loves someone, a pet. What does your love tolerate? Pet owners. Does your love tolerate rat poison in the dog bowl? Couples. Does your love tolerate another lover in the relationship? Friends, does your love tolerate someone physically harming one of your friends? Parents, does your love tolerate a teacher bullying your child? What does your love tolerate? One of the points I I want to make this morning, and I hope to make it clear, is that your love, God's love, like your love, is intolerant of certain things, of, of, of people and behaviors that are intent on hurting the ones that they love, right? Your love is intolerant of anything that's going to hurt the one you love, and it should be. I just, I'm almost finished reading uh, my first Brandon Sanderson book, and I'm not just saying that because there's a lot of Brandon Sanderson fans in here. And uh, in, in this book called Mistborn, the... One of the main characters, Vin, falls, she, she's a part of uh, the ska, which is, is, is the, the, uh, it's the, it's the lower caste in the final empire. It's the, the unwealthy, the, the sort of dregs of society. And, and she joins the resistance that's going to topple the houses of, of this final empire and, and bring, bring justice for the ska. All of you have read it, can correct me, okay? But just go along with it, right? Like, uh, anyway, she falls in love with one of the princes of the house, uh, Venture. His name is Ellent. And, uh, and towards the end of the book, I'm, I have 60 pages left, so I, don't ruin it for me if, uh, if, you're, if you can. Uh, but at, towards the end of the book, um, you know, they, Vin and Ellen kind of fall in love, but, but, but Ellen... Uh, repudiates her uh, so he can, t- he can take his place in the, in, in the house venture and, and secure his, his house and, 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 the, and the final empire. But even in the, in the face of rejection, Vin hears of a plot to kill him and she swoops in and she uses her magic uh, to save him. At great risk to herself, at great, great risk to, to, to what uh, her, what her and her friends are trying to do, uh, she swoops in because she loves this man and she will not tolerate her love for this man. She will not tolerate anyone trying to assassinate him. Friends, that is just a, a small, imperfect story of God's love for his creation, for humanity. The, and you know it, you can feel it even in your own love for your kids, for your spouse, for your, even for your pets. Right? You, 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 
you know that whatever is going to harm them, you will not tolerate. And that's exactly what Jesus loved. This is the main point of the sermon today is Jesus' love will not tolerate unrepentant sin, unrepentant immorality specifically and idolatry, Un- unrepentant sexual immorality and idolatry. Jesus will not tolerate it because of what he loves, because of what his love is. Now, I, I must say, right, the, it's, it's sort of provocative uh, to, to say it this way, but Jesus' love is intolerant. Jesus' love is intolerant of certain things that are going to hurt what he loves. But Jesus is not intolerant. Jesus uh, is long-suffering and cares for, uh, for his people, and he, and, and he is patient and kind. And, and though you sin over and over again, and you know this as a Christian, uh, Jesus is still long-suffering and patient. But he will not tolerate your sin, and in the end, he will win, and your sin will be put to death, and, and he will reign. But I also must say, uh, there's a danger here. There are many ways for this to go wrong in our relationships. You, you might be masking abusive behavior and calling it love, even intolerant love. You, you might say that you're loving someone, but you're just jealous or narcissistic. That is not what I'm saying. I just want to get that out there right from the get-go. But Jesus' love will not tolerate unrepentant sexual immorality or idolatry. And, and Hannah read it for us this morning, and we'll read it again uh, in, a, in a little bit, but Jesus' love is intolerant. And so what he does, as he's done to the other churches in, in Turkey and Asia Minor, uh, he writes them a letter. And you can just imagine that it says, dear church, to, to the church at Thyatira, dear church, I, I'm writing to you because I love you. I love you. Remember that Jesus' preferred place is among his church, is, in his, is, is among his lampstands, the, the churches. And so he writes letters of love to them, telling them to persevere to the end. I want you to persevere to the end. And, and one of the ways that the church of Thyatira can persevere to the end is to not tolerate sexual immorality or idolatry among them. So let's, let's, um, let's let that play out in these four points. Just imagine him saying, dear church, and in these four points he's saying, why my love is intolerant. He's gonna tell them, Thyatira, why his love is intolerant. And he's going to tell them, secondly, why my love celebrates, or what my love celebrates. Why my love is intolerant, what my love celebrates, what my love obliterates, and how my love rewards. What my love, why my love is intolerant. So, uh, as Hannah read for us in verse 18, Jesus writes uh, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So why is Jesus' love intolerant? Why, why does he say this? Why, you know, in our age of tolerance, is this really a message we Christians want to promote? You know, Thyatira was a city 40 miles southeast of Pergamum. Pergamos, the church we studied last week. And, and as the letter traveled 40 miles uh, to Pergamum, uh, it comes into a place 
uh, Thyatira that is the least known, least important, and least remarkable of the cities of, of Asia Minor, of, of the seven churches. It, it is just, it's not that well known, you know? Maybe a little bit like Corvallis. It's not that well known. It was, it was on a trade route uh, known for its uh, making of bronze, its metallurgy, its, and its, its dyeing of, of clothing, especially the color purple. And if you read the book of Acts in Acts 16, we, we find out that there's someone from Thyatira that was converted and, and helped start the church in Philippi. Her name was Lydia. This church was unknown and, and sort of unheard of and, and sort of insignificant. And, and throughout history, it was, it, was a, it was a place where it went back and forth between kingdoms because it had no, it had no battlefront. It had no army to defend it. It's insignificant, but Jesus loves this church. Jesus loves this church. And this church was embattled in their city. They're, though it was insignificant, it had a growing economy and, uh, you know, and it had the trade guilds. You can think of like unions, like the Teamsters or, or, or whatever kind of union you might think of. They had bankers and, and bakers and coppersmiths. And, 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 and the trade guilds or the unions in Thyatira uh, were well known. And, and, and those who participated in this aspect of public economy, one author says, if, if they refused to participate, they risked, substantial, uh, they risked a substantial measure of their livelihood if they refused to participate in the trade guilds. So the trade guilds were, they, you know, they, they were a place where, uh, just like a union, you would, you would get a job and you would, you would coalesce with, with people in your trade. And uh, they would meet together, they'd have union meetings, and, and those meetings would often take the form of, 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 of sexual immorality, offering incense and, and um, sex, having sexual liaisons with, with, with prostitutes of, and and. and taking part in the fertility rites of the, of the various rituals going on there. So, so they were just, they were, they, it was more than just a union meeting. It was, it was, there were a lot of things going on there. And this was sort of expected. If you were part of the trade guild, that's, if you were a coppersmith, then you would just join in. This is just what a good citizen does. This is, don't, don't make any waves. Uh, just do uh, what everyone else is doing. Go along with it. And Thyatira, the church at Thyatira was not facing persecution, but they were facing compromise, compromise on, on holiness, what they knew God had called them to. And this is the background and the backdrop for why Jesus reveals himself as who he is. So this embattled church who's suffering tribulation of some sort, Jesus unveils himself. He, he, he unveils himself as the exalted Christ in order to exhort them and, and to encourage them. And, and how he, what he unveils of himself is that he is the son of God. He is God the son. This is why he won't tolerate sin, friends, so why he won't tolerate sexual immorality or idolatry, he won't tolerate uh, the worship of other gods in place of him, he won't tolerate sexual immorality because it's a, a form of, of idolatry, is because he is God the Son. He's the perfect 
second person of the Trinity. The Bible says his eyes are too holy to even look upon sin. And he reveals himself as the one who has eyes as a flame of fire piercing right through us to see everything about us. And he's about to warn the church in Thyatira, I am too holy to look on sin because I'm the son of God. This is why he won't tolerate sin, because he's too holy. He's separate from sin. There's, there's no sin in him at all. There's not even a hint of sin in him. He doesn't even think in sinful ways. He doesn't even act in sinful ways. He is the son of God. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. And this would have been an image they understood. Their, their, their metallurgy in the place was famous for making bronze, and, and they would have thought about his feet as, as uh, burnished bronze standing against the sin of, uh, of Thyatira and their own sin. And, you know, the local god of industry, Apollo, the local god of, uh, uh, of Thyatira's uh, Apollo, this, you know, the sort of sun god, would have seen the eyes, the flaming eyes of Jesus Christ coming out to consume this god and all other gods that, would, that they would dare tolerate to worship. And his intolerant love for his people has to do with his glory, friends. He will not tolerate sinfulness. He will not tolerate the worship of other gods. But why, why couldn't they just join in the guild parties? Why couldn't they just join in the union parties if they had to? Well, it's also, he's not only because he's holy and his glory is above all, it's also because he loves them. God loves these people and he knows the sexual immorality that's happening there is not good for them. He knows that the idolatry and the worship of other gods is not good for them because he made them to worship him. It's because he's holy and it's because he loves. But why couldn't they join in these parties? They couldn't join because he's holy and he loves. But secondly, let's, let's discover a little bit more about what his love celebrates. Love will not tolerate sin, but it will celebrate certain things. Verse 19. Jesus says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So if Jesus' love is intolerant, does it celebrate anything? And Jesus says, yes, it does. Jesus' love, his, his fiery eyes and his feet of burnished bronze sees their faith, love, service, and patient endurance. This is what he wants in his church, dear friends. He wants love, faith, service, patient endurance. And this isn't, a, this isn't the only thing he wants. This isn't, a, this isn't a full list of what he wants. But this is what he notices in Thyatira. And this is what he's celebrating. Friends, Jesus notices the smallest evidences of grace in us. And he fans them into flame. He, he wants this church to know how much he loves them and, and, and what he notices about them. He notices their love. 
they're, they're tempted to, to love other things, but they love each other and they love Jesus himself. That he notices their faith, no matter how small it is, he notices it. He notices more that the object of their faith is himself and that pleases him. He notices their servants and patient endurance. And this is what he's calling us to as well. If you wonder where you could grow in your Christian life this year, you know those, uh, those resolutions you made December 31st that have probably fallen off, right? Some of us, like we've already fallen off our Bible reading or prayer or diet. Well, it's, it's okay. January 1st is arbitrary. We, we can start over again. You wanna grow in, in, in faith and love and service and patient endurance? Yeah, or you wanna grow in some area of, of Christian goodness? Then why not one of these? Husband, how would the holy Jesus want you to grow in your service to your wife right now? Mar- married people at the branch, how would the holy Jesus commend our service to the singles of our church? Singles, how would the holy Jesus commend your service uh, to others in this church, other singles and, and the families of this church? How could you grow in your love, faith, service, and patient endurance towards your boss this week? Or if you're a boss, to your employees. Jesus recognizes where you want to grow and and how you're growing, and he wants to fan that into flame. And he wants us to fan this into flame with each other as well. How would Jesus want you to grow in these areas. The Holy, Holy Jesus celebrates these kinds of deeds, the, the love, the faith, the service, the patient endurance. But friends, we can do all kinds of good deeds and be growing in different areas and in good works. And he says that of them. You've, your latter works are greater than your first. So they've grown in this. The church of Thyatira has grown in this. Your latter works are greater than the works you began with, and that all can happen, uh, and Jesus can still have something against us. This is what he says to the church of Thyatira in the next verse, but I have this against you. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is, though we do good works, and though we're growing in those good works, we don't trust those good works for our salvation. And, and we listen, and our ears perk up uh, as we hear that our deeds are always tainted with sin and mixed with other motives. But isn't it good to know that Jesus will not tolerate that sin in us? Isn't it good? He will obliterate it. Friends, he's in the process of obliterating our sin in us now. So Jesus, love, it celebrates the good and it obliterates the evil. Verses 20 through 23. And this is one of the, the hardest sections, uh, one of the hardest letters to the churches uh, of Asia Minor, and to Turkey. And, but these are God's words, so let's hear them for what they say again. He says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed 
and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into, the great tribu- into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. So friends, this sin that God obliterates is the very sin Jezebel promotes. Now Jezebel is almost certainly uh, a real person, but the name is symbolic. It wasn't that the the name of the person at Thyatira was Jezebel. Have you ever met a Jezebel? Probably most of us haven't, right? Nobody? No? (laughs) Okay, yeah. Okay, thank you, Trent. Uh, uh, Nobody, most of us don't. Because Jezebel, why? Because it's become a symbol for a a sort of a bad woman, a a strange woman, someone uh, who Jezebel was a, a Sidonian princess, that became the wife of Ahab, the king of Israel. Uh, in 1 Kings, you can read about her. And she introduced fornication and idolatry into Israel. She wasn't the only one to do it, but she did introduce it. She introduced the Baal worship. And so this false teacher in Thyatira, whoever it was, maybe it was a woman or maybe it was a, a group of people or maybe it was just a, a, a false teaching that some people were supporting in Thyatira was also introducing idol worship and sexual immorality into the churches, probably based on the trade guilds. Like, it's okay, you need a job, so just go along with it. It's fine, Jesus, is, Jesus doesn't care. He already took care of your sins, so it's totally fine. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not fine. And you should not tolerate this. The false teachers in the church were arguing that some degree of participation in idolatrous aspects of their culture was permissible. But Jesus says it's not. So friends, the economic consequences were severe for not participating in the drunken parties and orgies. It'd be like you, you know, someone your boss saying, if you don't go to this party and you don't participate in this party, you're going to be fired. It would be like that. Or it would be like, if you didn't do it, you'd be socially ostracized or marginalized. And Jesus is saying to them not to participate in these things. But worse than that, the teaching was getting into the church. Remember last week, we talked about a boat in the water is beautiful, but water in the boat is dangerous. Water is in the boat. It's, it's actually almost sunk. And Jesus says, I've given her time to repent. I've given the false teachers time to repent, and they haven't repented, so I'm coming. And I'm gonna purify my church because I love it so much. Jesus doesn't want them participating in these parties. Jesus' love is intolerant of sexual immorality and idolatry. Why? Because it's bad for us. But I can imagine if you're sitting there in Thyatira hearing this and you're thinking, yeah, but what about my job? What about my family? Aren't I supposed to provide for them too? And you're hearing the words of Jesus being intolerant And you think maybe he's being intolerant of you. That's not Jesus' heart towards you, friend. That's not Jesus' heart towards the church at Thyatira, and that's not Jesus' heart toward the church here in Corvallis. Jesus' heart is his heart of Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things I will add to you. 
Do you remember the, do you remember the metaphors he used, the, uh, the picturesque teaching that he uses, that he takes care of the birds in the air, he takes care of the flowers of the field? How much more will he not take, how, how much more will he take care of you? If he feeds the birds and he clothes the flowers of the field, what will he do for those created in his image? Though his, he wants them to know that his love will not tolerate this because it's not good for them, but he will provide for them. Why is it wrong to practice these things in the trade guilds and just to keep your job? Because participating in them is saying something about Jesus and his holiness. Here's what, here's what one commentator says. To allow these false prophets to continue would be to allow the satanic beast to access, access and to devour God's people through deceptive doctrine. John, and John later portrays those who engage in the prophetic deception as a beast and false prophet. Uh, he portrays them as a devilish beast, their master as a devilish beast. And so in order to give the Thyatirans a true heavenly perspective of the real character of the false teachers, he unveils himself as the one with fiery eyes and, and, and bronze feet and the one that will not tolerate their sin. He will not tolerate this because it's not good for them. If he tolerated it, he'd be giving them over to the devil. Friends, this, this is, sin is bad for us. Jesus made us to worship him and for sexual purity not to worship other gods and for sexual immorality. That's why his punishment is so severe, because of his holiness and because of his love. And unless you think Jesus is too harsh, unless you think he demands too much of you, do you know what Jesus did? Jesus became the sin he will not tolerate. So he could take the punishment that we adulterers and idolaters deserve. Those of us who worship other gods, whether they're uh, idols or whether they're our job or sex or something else, and, and, and those who uh, commit spiritual idolatry, he became that sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He came into our world and took on human flesh, lived perfectly, and then took the sin and the wrath and the punishment all in himself on that bloody cross, suffering the wrath of God for you. So when, when he says, I will punish her by promoting, by, um, and those who promote her teaching and her followers by throwing them on a sick bed and, and throwing them into tribulation and striking her children dead, those are symbolic of that Jesus is going to bring this to an end. He's gonna bring the false teaching to an end once and for all. But friend, if, if you are not a Christian and you feel the weight of this conviction on you, and you say, how can I escape? Jesus became the sin for you. He knew no sin, but he became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God. He died in your place. He, he took your place on that cross. 
so that you can be made whole and, and healed and, and, and loved by him. So why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? I, I should go back to 22 and 23 and just say again that this... This is, sim- this is symbolic language, right? It's, Revelation is cinematic for us, and the, and the cinematic parts explain the words to us. Um, he says, I, behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, or a bed of suffering. Uh, it's an image of he, he is going to make this false prophet or false prophets sick, and those who commit adultery with her, those who are, who are promoting her false doctrine, he's gonna, throw, he's gonna throw into great tribulation unless they repent of it. And then he says he will strike her children dead, those who, who follow her, who are like her converts. So this is all symbolic language, saying he's going to bring it to an end. And friends, he did the final work at the cross so that you might receive grace upon grace for your sinful idolatry and immorality. Friends, he is the one who rewards. So as we continue on in verse 24, 23 and 24, he says, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. I will give to each according to your works. So not only does he have an intolerant love, he, he celebrates the good in us. He will obliterate our sin because his son took our sin on the cross. He also rewards, verses 24 through 29. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, so there was, apparently there were some in Thyatira who were not holding to this teaching. The rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What the Spirit says to the churches is that Jesus, who obliterates sin but celebrates the good, will also reward those who hold on to the end. His love rewards patient endurance. He says, hold on to what you have. Hold on to to what you have, the, the faith, the love, the service, the patient endurance. Hold on to Jesus' will to the end. I, I know some of you are tired. I, I, I know some of you are, are wondering how much more you can endure. Jesus says, hold on. He has overcome. He has the keys of death and hell. He knows the tribulation you're going through. Hold on to the end. Endure until the end. The Thyatiran church has the true teaching about Jesus. He's saying, hold on to it. And what are they supposed to overcome? They're supposed to overcome the false, the temptation to succumb to false teaching, to the the current culture and, and, and spirit of the age that tells us to give in just a little bit. 
Jesus says, hold fast, await his return. Don't become like the world. And friends, this is a word for us to our own church. This is a word for us here at the branch. We, we, we cannot be intolerant like, like Jesus because we're not perfect. But Jesus is calling the church at Thyatira to discipline the members of their church that are holding to these teachings. Don't tolerate them. Combat the teaching with truth and love, speaking grace and truth. Didn't Jesus and Paul tell us this in, in the New Testament? If, you have, if, if your brother has something against you or you have something against your brother, you need to go to them. And if he will not hear you, take somebody else, take some of the elders probably and, and talk to them about it. And if they will not hear you, tell it before the whole church. So dear church, dear members of this church, Jesus is telling us we cannot tolerate the sexual immorality, unrepentant sexual immorality and idolatry in our church. We must discipline one another to, in, in goodness and grace and godliness and love so that we might overcome in the end. And Jesus is telling them that their reward is, is far greater than they could realize. The, the, the reward for the church that overcomes, for the people that overcome and hold on to his works until the end, he said, I will give authority over the nations. He is going to give those who overcome his own authority to rule under him like a viceroy, someone who, who holds authority. You know, it's, uh, it's someone who takes the authority of the king and, 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 and brings it to the people. Friends, the message to the church of Thyatira and to us is a warning against soft love that tolerates all things and judges none. God does not want us to, to be that way. In love, he, he wants us to confront sin first in our own lives and hearts and then in the hearts of our brothers and sisters, in the lives of our brothers and sisters, in love. And, and you know, Jesus even talked about this. Don't, don't take the splinter out of your brother's eye before you remove the log out of your own. Uh, all of that. But Jesus is saying, do not tolerate this. But those who overcome it, I will give this. I wonder what you are tempted to tolerate here in Corvallis. Are you tempted to tolerate that Jesus is one of many ways to God? and eternal life, but not the only way? He's saying, don't tolerate that in your church. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are we soft on the subtle twisting of Scripture that justifies or minimizes sexual sin and idolatry? Jesus invites us to ask that of ourselves. His love will judge that, has judged it on the cross, but his love will also reward those who overcome these things by holding on to what they have. In verses 26 through 29, it says how he will do it. He will do it by giving his authority to rule over the nation. So in a place as insignificant as Thyatira, or 
as insignificant as maybe our lives feel sometimes, Jesus said, I am going to give you my authority to rule over the nations. I don't know everything that looks like. <laughs> I don't know everything that means or exactly when that's gonna happen. Uh, but I do know that the way Jesus rules is through love and grace. And the way that we are going to be ruling in the future this is a heavenly perspective on the future and what's going to happen is that we're going to be ruling through his love and his grace, pointing people back to his good rule, back to his good authority. So we are actually promised to, to rule with him. We're actually promised to have his authority to go to the nations and rule over them in love. To the ones who overcome will share his rule. The, the word could be shepherding the nations and, and to bring judgment to, to the wrongdoers, just as Jesus would want us to, but to reward the, the good. And to those who overcome or conquer, he will also give the morning star. Jesus shares in his victory. But what is this morning star he's giving? In Revelation 22, 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. As best we can tell, the morning star is Jesus himself, prophesied in Numbers 24 by, by uh, Balaam that he would, have the, he would be the bright morning star and have a scepter of righteousness. And now here Jesus is not only sharing his authority and victory, he is sharing himself with his people. The bright and morning star. Jesus is rewarding those who overcome by the blood of the lamb with authority and his very self. Friends, Jesus will not tolerate any competitors to his worship. But he does love and celebrate the grace that he has working in you. As you think about applying this to your life uh, this week, think about any ways that, uh, uh, any competition there is in your own heart and mind and in your life for the love of Jesus, for the worship of Jesus, the God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Friends, also think about the grace that is at work in you. Think about the grace that is at work in you in, in the love we, we see here and experience with one another. And, and, and maybe just as an act of trying to flame the grace into fire, why don't you text somebody this week that you've noticed an evidence of grace in their life? And if you have to think too hard, spend some time with somebody. There's grace going on here um, among the members of our church. Friends, though Jesus' love is intolerant, it is glorious, it is accepting of you. Anyone who will can come to him because of what he has done on the cross. Let's pray.